going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. Good evening and welcome. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk, and to tonight's First Five. I want to remind you about a protest. These, these words you're about to hear in this protest, very quick, you've been, heard, you've been hearing over and over in the last few months. No Trump, no wall, no USA at all. No Trump, no wall, no USA at all. No Trump, no wall, no USA at all. No Trump, no wall. The reason I wanted to play that for you tonight is it just is a great springboard for my first five. We are looking at midterms in this country in about three weeks. We're talking about the 2018 midterms, November 6th, Election Day. And we are right now at a point where it appears the Republicans will hold the U.S. Senate. In fact, will probably increase seats. The U.S. House is up for grabs. And I want to make this point very clear to you. I spoke this past week at another event, and I talked about how extreme the difference is between the Republicans and Democrats in this election cycle, in this political era in America. I'm not just talking about listing a bunch of policy positions because we on this show, as you know, we go in great depth all the time. We talk about the policy differences on border policy and tax policy and military funding and immigration and, and, and hundreds of issues. But I'm getting at the mindset of the American left versus the mindset of mainstream America. I'll just as one example, Hillary Clinton spoke recently and she was talking about and she gave an interview where she talked. She basically said the Democrat Party will not return to civility until they are in and have the majority. Now, those were not the way that's not the way she chose to say it, but it is what she is saying. She is saying that because the American left is out of power. They don't hold the House, the Senate, or the White House. They keep losing governor's races. They keep losing seats in the state legislatures that they are entitled to be belligerent. They're entitled to act like a mob. And we're going to talk in the next hour about the use of the word mob as applied to the American left because the media is starting to respond to this use of the word mob. President Trump referred to the Democrats as a mob, and all sorts of left-wing commentators, CNN, MSNBC, are complaining, you can't say that, that's a terrible thing, you can't say that. You know what? They don't like it because it's exactly what is happening. They don't like it because it's resonating with the American people. I want to give you two examples to get at this mindset idea I'm talking about. One is right here in the gray state of Texas, one gentleman, uh, that's uh, choosing the word, using the word loosely, an elected official here in Dallas, 
sent out a, a mailer in which he had a picture of Adolf Hitler on one side, Donald Trump on the other, and attempted to actually make a parallel between Hitler's policies and Trump's policies. And this is not the only guy who's done it. I mean, this guy is an extremely irresponsible elected official, but, you know, he gets reelected all the time. But he sent this out basically saying that Trump's policies are consistent with those of Adolf Hitler. Now, folks, we're living in a time in real- here in Realityville, where most of us should be living, where America has the lowest unemployment rate for blacks, Hispanics, women in decades. In fact, in some cases, ever. We have a bursting economy. People have jobs. We are working toward a more secure border. We have a far safer world. We're going to talk about that in the next segment. Far safer world because of the policies of President Donald Trump. We have jobs coming back to America, creating this bustling economy that are creating jobs so people can become self-sufficient and function well in a free market economy. We have amazing developments on so many fronts within America But because the American left is out of power, their message to you is that America is just on the brink of destruction, that what we're about to see is just this horrific country, very, very much like like Germany was before uh, Hitler actually, you know, unleashed his whole, um, you know, Holocaust. This is so absurd. But the reason the Democrats are doing this, it's not just that they're out of power. It's because they have nothing to argue They have no points. They have to work America up into a lathered, irrational tizzy over nothing because the fact is they don't have any policies to sell to you. They don't have any policies to sell in the economic realm. They don't have policies because when everyone looks back at how the economy was under President Obama and compares under President Trump, everyone sane in this country said, wow, Our country's doing great. So the left resorts to the kind of thing they always resort to, which is to make up lies. Just think about the fact. Think about the fact that we had hysterical riots in Washington, Washington, D.C., over a claim by a woman of something that happened allegedly 36 years ago. All of the witnesses she pointed to said never happened. All the much of the evidence she presented fell apart. No basis at all. But because that lie was planted and pushed and pushed by the American left, it worked ignorant Americans into a hysterical mob tizzy. Rational Americans need to stand up. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. Come right back. If you're on Facebook Live, come back in four minutes. Talk after the break. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy 
organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out CenterForSecurityPolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's CenterForSecurityPolicy.org. Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with Five Talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents.org. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm getting some comments from Facebook Live that there is no sound. 
So I'm just checking if someone can let me know who's been texting me all along. Um, if they if the sound is not working, um, I made one little adjustment. If not, anyway, welcome back to America Can We Talk. You know, that first segment, I really do want to inspire people to just really, really grasp the idea that in America there is, okay, so we have no sound again. Hold on, folks, one thing. So sorry, folks, if you're listening on, on Facebook Live, I think maybe I just I just unplugged it. See if we can work it work it this way. Anyway, um, welcome to America. Can we talk on you know, the first segment? I know that when people talk about politics, everyone thinks there's just so much, um, you know, just too much accusation, too much hysteria, too much people being really, really harsh and um and and overstating things, but I'm not overstating what I'm saying about where we are in the American American political scene. Just think about the fact, Eric Holder, Eric Holder, the former under President Obama, former Attorney General, head of the Department of Justice, entering in the political discussion, essentially saying that we are going to in America in, in America in these elections that he said we need to reject Michelle Obama's advice to America that when they when they go low we go high he's saying go low kick low that those were his words Hillary Clinton's statements in the media they are about just fight for it, just scream fight and yell and understand what i'm saying is it's not that they really think that anything that is happening politically, legislatively in this country is really so extreme. They just can't stand the idea that they have no power. They can not stand that they don't have power. So their answer is to work people up into a rage of lather and just just a um, just unable to. Uh, you know, form a rational thought. I'm going to play in the second hour a little montage someone made of all of the media people complaining about the use of the word mob in describing the way the American left is conducting itself and tell you a story about you can hardly believe that, for example, in the city of Portland, Oregon, the mayor is saying he's not going to let his police officers get in the way when the Black Lives Matter protesters and Antifa protesters banded together and blocked traffic and forced everyone to turn the way they don't want to turn, run people down, smash their car windows, and the Portland mayor said, police aren't going to do one thing about it. There is a mob mentality emerging on the American left, even with respect to the Kavanaugh hearings. When you heard all of the, that disruption during the Senate hearings, all the people banging on the doors of the Supreme Court— all of that hysteria all over the Capitol. You email me, you call me if you think, if you can remember one Democrat who said one word about it, one word denouncing, saying, hey, that isn't the way we do things. One person, because there aren't any. It is an outrage that the, the American left. So when you look at Hillary Clinton you hear, and you hear Eric Holder, these people are at the very, they are fomenting this. And they are refusing. They will not in the slightest denounce the radical crazy that is the American left. Okay, but I want to turn to this guy, uh, Khashoggi. You've been reading a lot about him. And I have a couple of really points uh, points I want to make. This was like a huge story. Um, if you don't know the story at all, there's a, a guy named Jamal Khashoggi. And he uh, is, I guess he has, I don't think he's an American citizen, but he's a, a Saudi by background. He lived in America lives lived in america he was a writer for the washington post and um 
he was the story that has been swirling and has caused, you know, interviews, President Trump commented on, of course, and as many, many people did. The basic story was that this guy, Jamal Khashoggi, he's a Washington Post columnist. He, um, he uh, went to the Saudi Arabian consulate. So this is not in Saudi Arabia. This is in Istanbul, Turkey. But Istanbul, Turkey... There is a consulate, you know, it's a, it's a diplomatic outpost, a consulate in Istanbul that was for Saudi Arabia. He entered that consulate on October 2nd, and the story is, hasn't been seen again. So there's all sorts of, of course, suspicion and concern what happened to him. This was as of October 2nd. He hasn't hadn't come back. Uh, the Turkish people claim, let me back up, the Saudis claim, the Saudi Arabians claim, I should say, this guy Khashoggi has been criticizing the Saudi Arabian government in his columns in the Washington Post. In particular, he's a, he's a Muslim Brotherhood supporter. He's a total political Islam, Islamist, you know, guy, but, and he's been critical of the Saudi Arabian government. And so he's over in he's over in Turkey in the in the uh, consulate there for Saudi Arabia. And the day before that, the day before he got there, an airplane full of 15 Saudi officials flew into Istanbul and they stayed at an apartment in a hotel right across the street from this consulate. So. The basic thing is Khashoggi has not been seen since. The Saudis say that he left the consulate unharmed through a back door. They're saying nothing happened to him. The Turkish government is saying the Saudis ambushed him, dismembered him with a bone saw, stuffed his remains into diplomatic bags and smuggled them out of the country in two private jets. So the Turkish government is trying to claim that the Saudi Arabian People, the, the officials upset with what he writes in the Washington Post, uh, executed this guy and they, in, in a grotesque way, dismembering him. So there's all, all, all sorts of you know com- discussion going on in Washington. I will say, um, and the reason I'm, I'm going to get to why this matters in American foreign policy in just a moment, but it's also important to understand that the uh, eyewitnesses to this story, the people who've actually come forward and whom the Turkish government is claiming. Uh, can tell this story and what there was one story that the his watch this guy had a watch on it somehow was recording everything it was picked up there were security cameras inside of course inside the uh, saudi consulate in istanbul and and those apparently uh show bad things but security ca- camera inform the film has never been turned up no, never turns up no, doesn't show up so the security camera stuff not there that's number one. Number two is the witnesses who claim all this. One is a woman who claims she was Khashoggi's fiance. A woman who claims she was his fiance said she was waiting outside for him. He never, never came back out. His entire family said, never heard of her. I, I, I don't think that's his fiance. Never heard of her. But the intrigue, of course, is, is huge. And the American government does not want to permit it permit an American, I guess he's not an American citizen, but he's, and anyway, he's a, had the right to live here. He's, he's had uh, Saudi citizenship and I think British too. But, you know, of course, the American government saying, wait a minute, you know, you, the Saudi government, you cannot carry, o- carry off um, executions, carry out executions um, of this American in Turkey or anywhere else. And Saudis are saying we didn't do any such thing. He left voluntarily. Turks are, are stirring things up saying, no, 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 there was, there was an execution. And I want to just say, uh, you know, it's a very delicate thing with America and Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is our one 
kind of relatively stable ally in the Middle East. Now, they are, you know, Muslim majority. They're very, 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 very strict laws there. In fact, this, um, the current Saudi government, they've, they've, uh, They've designated this young prince who's trying to modernize Saudi Arabia. So he's been making changes in Saudi Arabia. He's actually had some of the imams who are extremely strict, the Islamic imams, had them arrested. So he's trying to modernize. He doesn't like being criticized, of course, by this guy, Khashoggi. But Saudi Arabia, for pretty much 100 years, or almost 100 years, has been our ally over there in the middle of the cauldron that is the Middle East, the cauldron of Islamic-majority countries where the, just the, just the uh, you know, constant, constant um, intrigue and battle and factions and sections and, and, and um, you know, the battles between the Sunnis and the Shia and the Wahhabis and the Saudis have been a big aid to us in America as our effort is to control the Iranians, who are, of course, the most, you know, the, the largest terror exporting country in the world. They're storing up things everywhere. America kind, kind of counts on Saudi Arabia to keep, the, um, to keep the Iranians in check so we don't want to get sideways with Saudi Arabia. On the other hand, Saudi Arabia um, is still Muslim majority, an astonishingly strict country. Women just won the right to drive this year, just got the right to drive this year. Still can't leave the house without a male escorting you, even if it's a 10-year-old boy. And so it's a, you know, the whole Middle East is very backward in, in, because of the teachings of Islam. But what I want to get to is this, and just made me very grateful. I don't know how this whole story will pan out. I don't know what... President Trump will figure out. But I want to say I'm grateful to have a president who is reasserting America first, who is reasserting our Judeo-Christian core, our Judeo-Christian um, roots of this country, where we we are not going to just succumb, submit to whatever the Islamic world is saying. It, made me, it makes me grateful. I think Trump will try to get the bottom of it, which I don't know what that'll be, but we're going to figure that out. We're heading up to a break. I'm Debbie Georgias. America Can We Talk? We come back. We have a candidate for U.S. Congress joining us, Chip Roy. Great guy. Come back in four minutes. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. 
and Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty, from free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. The federal government spends $900 billion annually on anti-poverty programs. What has it produced? 75% of black children are born into fatherless homes. 43% of the prison population is black. The black poverty rate has remained at twice the national average. And cities like Oakland, Baltimore, St. Louis, and Detroit are in ruins. Instead of helping, bad policies and billions of dollars have spread a sickness in the black community. It's time for a cure. The Center for Urban Renewal and Education, CURE, led by President Star Parker, is addressing our nation's most critical problems in our nation's most distressed zip codes. CURE's mission is to fight poverty and restore dignity through faith, freedom, and personal responsibility. To find out more, to read about how CURE works, and how you can help, please visit urbancure.org and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Together, you and I can cure America. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I'm so glad you tuned in this evening. We're having a little bit of trouble. I don't understand uh, what's going on with the Facebook Live, so I'm hoping someone lets me know if the sound is working. In any case, welcome back to America Can We Talk. And we have joining us, as I mentioned in this segment, we have Chip Roy. He is a candidate for U.S. Congress uh, from the great state of Texas. But he's he's a fabulous uh, candidate no matter what state he'd be from. So I believe we have Chip online. Hi, Chip. How are you? It's great to be on the show. Thanks for having me on. Love having you on. Chip is running for U.S. Congress from uh, in Texas, um, and he's running for an open seat, meaning the uh, the previous congressman retired. But I've known Chip actually through his work at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. He's just an amazingly um, informed and uh, energetic candidate. So first of all, I was going to tell you, Chip, you've had so many great jobs. I do want you to run through your resume. But why would a nice guy like you run for Congress? <laughs> Well, you know, it's a great question, but, you know, really, the short answer is this. There's too much at stake for, for us not to get involved right now to make sure we do what we need to do to save the republic. You know, 
you know, I'm a cancer survivor. Seven years ago, I was working in public service for Governor Perry. I had uh, worked as a federal prosecutor prior to that. And, um, you know, once I got through the other end of a battle of cancer, I decided my wife and I, we prayed about it. I was recommitting to public service. And that's why I ended up working for Senator Cruz, because I knew he'd go up there to try to change things in Washington. And uh, when the opportunity opposed itself last fall, when Congressman Smith announced he was retiring, I decided to uh, put my name in the ring and, and uh, try to uh, get up there with an election certificate to make some change in Washington and give the president a little support. I love that you're doing that. You know, one way I got to know you was through your work at the Texas Public Policy Foundation. And correct me if I'm wrong, I don't have your resume in front of me, but didn't you work in part with the 10th Amendment Center there? I did. I was uh, heading up the 10th Amendment Center and kind of ran their uh, sort of vice president strategies. But yeah, it was 10th Amendment Center that threw me into TPPF. It's a great organization you know, really, truly committed to the right structure of government. And, and, you know, I'll I'll make a point here that I know you'll appreciate, which is, you know, I know your listeners must agree that our country is terribly divided right now. And the question you have to ask is why? And I would pose that it's because we have too many one-size-fits-all solutions coming out of Washington, D.C., frankly, from both parties. And if we want to actually get to the place where we're not at each other's throats, we just need to be able to agree to disagree. Let's let Texas be Texas. Let's let California be California. To get back to the business of what the federal government is supposed to do, defend our nation, defend our borders, then get out of the way. And that's what we need to do, and that's what I hope to accomplish if I get up to D.C. I love that thought. You know, it's funny. I was reading something this morning about the desire to return to federalism and that, that yep. con- yeah, that concept of the federal government has certain responsibilities, which are spelled out in the Constitution. And beyond that, the, uh, the lab- states are supposed to be laboratories of political ideas, which I think actually TPPF is very committed to that notion. Absolutely. And, you know, we spent a lot of time trying to advance uh, uh, policies along those lines. And, and, and again, again, I think it's so critically important for people to realize how much what that would do to reunite our country. If you think about the guys and gals that fought in uh, previous wars, in World War II, and there was guys in the foxhole, and some of them were from Brooklyn, New York, and some were from Wisconsin, some were from West Texas or Alabama. And when they got in the foxhole, they weren't trying to figure out how to make Brooklyn be like West Texas. They weren't trying to make Florida be like, you know, Minnesota. They were just joined together as Americans who wanted to fight for freedom, wanted to protect our nation from enemies, and then when they get back home, go back to their communities and then make their communities strong. But I don't need to tell people, I don't need to tell Californians how to live, and I sure as heck don't want Jerry Brown or Nancy Pelosi (laughs) telling us how to live down here in Texas. I'm really glad you're saying that part. We're speaking with Chip Roy, who's a candidate for U.S. Congress in uh, Texas 21st Congressional District. One thing I noticed you said, which I just love the, the spirit of it, uh, Chip has a uh, his um, Twitter feed is at Chip Roy TX. And one thing, you know, it was funny, the whole nation has watched this just amazing meltdown over the nomination of one particular person to the Supreme Court. And you made the point, couldn't we put about at least 10 percent as much energy into balancing the budget or health care freedom? Isn't that the truth, the government doing the things it's supposed to be doing, put the energy toward that? Absolutely. I am thrilled that a, a large block of uh, GOP senators stood strong in defense of the rule of law and due process to make sure that the they were able to clean up the mess that was created in the Senate Judiciary Committee that was unfair to Kavanaugh, was unfair to the judiciary and the process. It was unfair to Dr. Ford. It should never have been done that way. And I'm glad that Republicans stood up to fight for that, and it's good for our country. But you know what? Let's stand up and fight now for the things you're supposed to do. Balance the budget like every American has to do. Restore health care freedom so you can get the doctor of your choosing without there being bureaucrats either in the government or insurance companies between you and your doctor. And make sure that you actually – 
uh, secure our borders, make sure that we're securing our country, and then get out of the way. Like I said, get back to federalism and let the rest of us figure out how to live our lives in Texas or California. But just do your job. And you know what? Frankly, that's what Jim Jordan is running on in his race for speaker, is do what we said we would do. It's not that hard. Just go do it. I love his do what we said we would do. Well, I do want to ask you, you mentioned balancing the budget, which, of course, we it just seems like that's talked about so frequently. Uh, is that even is it, it, it will America ever get there? Is that a realistic goal or is it just a, I, I mean, can we ever get there? Well, I think we can get there. I mean, here's the deal. If you think about balancing our budget as, as, as one example, you've got, say, three and a half trillion dollars of revenue. How would you go about doing that if that was your revenue? You would look at it and go, well, what are we supposed to do? Defend the United States. How much does that cost, both for our men and women in uniform and whatever we're having them do overseas and their health care when they get home, and then securing our border, right? Secure the country. Well, that's about a trillion dollars. You take the balance and go figure out, well, people are relying on Medicare and Social Security. They're dependent on it. Okay, honor those commitments. Then get busy with figuring out the rest. Whatever's left, figure out what you got left to do, and then spend it, just like you do your home budget. Within the boundaries of what you've got, balance the budget. You could do it in one year. You certainly could do it in five years. And then get busy figuring out how to change any of the programs that need to be changed. Medicare, which is about to be bankrupt in eight years. Social Security will be bankrupt in about 14 years, I think. we got to reform them. So let's reform them going forward. But you just got to have the willpower and the desire to do it. They just too easily can spend other people's money without consequence unless the American people demand otherwise. And that's what I think we ought to do. You know, Chip, what you really sound like, I'm so glad to have you on the show tonight. Um, What you really uh, have is that energy and passion of someone who hasn't been up there yet, hasn't been entrenched into the uh, Washington mindset, hasn't been there for decades and decades, where you just kind of, you might go home to your district and give a little speech about, yeah, yeah, healthcare freedom, you know, balance the budget. But you get there and you just, I think too many um, probably in both parties, they get to Washington, they realize how hard it is, they realize to, to try to get those big goals, and so they just kind of they they uh, default into doing the things that seem doable and really just surrender on the rest of them. So I just love hearing your energy and passion to really to push to accomplish these things and the budget balancing. My gosh, I'm, everyone makes that point Candace, all the time. You have to do it in your home because you have no other choice. But somehow America doesn't balance and hasn't done it for decades. That's exactly right. And look, the the I think the magic here is just keeping it simple, right? What is your job? Your job is to honor the Constitution, defend the United States. That means against enemies, foreign and domestic. Make sure you secure the border. Balance the budget. That's just common sense. And then get out of the way of health care. Frankly, we shouldn't even be having to talk about it, but we've still messed it up from Washington. We need to actually fix it, restore health care freedom, and then get out of the way and let, let you, you reference the laboratories of democracy, let the states work. And to your point about experience, I think what I bring, hopefully, to the table, those who are listening, is someone who's been just enough experience with Washington as Senator Cruz's chief of staff, as a lawyer for on the Judiciary Committee for a few years, but then outside of Washington, with bulk of my career as a federal prosecutor in the state of Texas, in the private sector, in banking, and all the gas space, and be able to have a perspective of what needs to change and how to do it. And that's that's what I'm energized about. I'm, I'm enthusiastic because we've got the opportunity of a lifetime right now with a president who's willing to challenge the status quo. No, he doesn't always say things exactly how you or I would say them. 
doesn't always tweet things the way you and I tweet them, but he's willing <laughs> to challenge the, the status order, right? The, 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 the swamp, if you will. And gosh, if we just get a Congress up there willing to change directions and do the right thing, imagine what we can do for freedom and what the 21st century in America will look like. I love that. We are speaking, if you just tuned in, with Chip Roy. He's running for U.S. Congress in Texas from CD21. His website is chiproy.com, just C-H-I-P-R-O-Y.com, on Twitter, um, at chiproytx. I've heard him speak many times. I've actually um, had him on the show in the past. He's a stellar, stellar candidate. And I just wish Congress could be filled with people like you, Chip, who just want to go there and keep get the government back on track with the limited things you're supposed to do and, and let put the rest back to the states. It's such a simple formula the founders came up with. It's really a shame that we have we've gotten so complex in such a big federal government. So I hope you can get up there and cut it back. And you have about ten seconds. Any last words for our listeners? Well, you're too kind. I appreciate it. I appreciate you telling people on my website, skiproy.com. We've got this great opportunity in front of us. Let's everybody get energized, show up to vote. We've got a lot of things moving in the right direction. Let's just get it done in the next three weeks and watch what we can do. Appreciate it very much. Chip Roy, love having you. This is Debbie George Ass, America Can We Talk, and we'll be right back after the break, and we're going to talk about Taylor Swift. Man, she's not so swift. Come right back. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. 
America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. Our nation faces a choice. The path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility. Whether informing the national debate on property rights energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. We're working on this Facebook Live. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're here in Dallas on 660 AM. Love talking to you here. Also, love talking to my listeners in Colorado Springs, AM 1460, FM 11.1, The Answer. Also, want to um, just take a moment to thank the sponsor of this show, which is called GC Works. It's a Dallas-based company that performs research in advanced technology and delivers innovative approaches to the oil and gas industry. Could not do this show without them. Okay, I want to turn to a story. For those of us who pay attention to pop culture, which does not include myself, um, I'm going to mention Taylor Swift. I really wanted to do this story, not because I really care what Taylor Swift thinks about anything, but I want to just um, share something with you that um, she said and what consequence it has um, in, in a particular election and then also what the real facts are. Because one thing I always tell my listeners, this show is about talking truth about America, and I love getting into the weeds of, of policies of all kinds Love it. I will do it. But I also love the broader, bigger message of my show is that all of us have the blessing, privilege, and responsibility to preserve the most extraordinary, exceptional country ever in human history, America. So Taylor Swift, uh, who is a very, very famous uh, performer, she uh, tweeted out recently. um, She told her, in fact, on Instagram, she has 112 million Instagram followers. And she messaged to them, and she also tweeted out to basically say, urging her followers to register to vote and then to cast their vote 
for the Democrat candidate from U.S. Senate for U.S. Senate from Tennessee. Uh, this guy, who's a former governor governor of Tennessee, Phil um, Bred, Bredesen. I don't know how to say his name. Bredesen. And so he's this is obviously a Senate race is an open seat because John Corker, thank goodness, finally resigned. So he's not running again. The seat is open. So they have the former Democrat governor of Tennessee, Phil Bredesen. And then you have Marsha Blackburn, a Republican woman. She's a Republican candidate. She's a current U.S. rep and she's running to become a U.S. senator. So Taylor Swift, put, you know, as I said, my little uh, tease, not too swift. Taylor Swift um, tweeted out that she wanted she urged every one of her followers to register a Democrat and uh, register to vote if they weren't registered and then to vote for the Democrat. And so right after that, voter registration in Tennessee went up to 65,000 registrations, went up by 65,000 registrations in a 24 hour period. Okay, so I, I, I can hardly fathom the thought, can hardly stand the thought to think that someone who sings for a living is influenced that many people, but okay. However, a New York Times poll shows on Friday that the Republican Blackburn is 14 points ahead of the Democrat. So I think what happened is people realizing in Tennessee, I don't think Taylor Swift ought to be giving political advice. They registered. And they're they're voting for the Republican. But I really what I really want to get to was what she said, what Taylor Swift said, because it's easy for people if you don't follow politics to get sucked into the uh, stupidity, frankly, of what she had to say. So what she had to say, she said, Congresswoman Blackburn, who, by the way, I've, I've interviewed before. She's a fabulous, fabulous candidate. Uh, Congresswoman, she said, Swift, the Con- Swift said, Congresswoman Blackburn voted against equal pay for women. She voted against the reauthorization of the, of the Violence Against Women Act. And uh, she believes businesses have a right to refuse service to gay couples. I'm just going to summarize by saying to Taylor, wrong, wrong, and wrong. All three, wrong. But the reason it matters is because these are kinds of issues back to the the masses that the Hillary Clinton left wing uh, leaders of the le- of the American left today are trying to do. They're the kind of issues that stir ignorant people into thinking that they better get worked up into a tizzy, that they better show up at the um, at protests and rallies and 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 be destructive because after all, they're standing up for something really, really, really important. They're standing up against evil, and they're not. Taylor Swift has no earthly idea what she's talking about. And let me try to explain, because I actually do really care to explain these issues um, instead of just um, picking on her. Um, I will back up, back up, by the way, to tell you that uh, Marsha Blackburn, she won her House re-election bid um, in 2016 with 72% of the vote. She's very well-liked. She's very well-regarded. She's very articulate. She's just She's just a rock star. But the three points that Taylor um, Swift made, I want to correct them because Taylor Swift, sadly, will sway a certain percentage of less informed people, people who'd rather 
uh, emote than think. So I want to just respond uh, very quickly. And Taylor Swift had the usual, uh, you know, left wing, uh, touchy feely kind of sound uh, voice that she was using in her Instagram thing, where she she cited LGBT issues. She was basically quoting from some handout from the Glad organization. Um, And she says, I can't vote for someone who will not be willing to vote for the dignity for all Americans, blah, blah. Okay, here, let me just do a little bit of straight facts. Number one, unequal pay. This is, if I were speaking in person, I'd be saying, so raise your hand if you know when the Equal Pay Act passed in Washington, D.C. When did Congress pass that? 1963. I'm a labor lawyer by background. That bill, Equal Pay Act for Women, passed before even Title VII, before the anti-discrimination laws passed, Equal Pay Act, 1963. It's been law all that time. What Marsha Blackburn did vote against was a bill called the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. And as the left always does, they managed to come up with really friendly, happy-sounding titles who could be against fair pay, but you have to understand what the Fair Pay Act was designed to do. As I said, it was already a requirement that men and women under Equal Pay Act had be paid. It couldn't discriminate against women based on being a woman uh, and their pay. The Wall Street Journal's Kimberly Strassel denounced this Lilly Ledbetter Act as a trial lawyer payout. What it basically did was it made it easier for women to file wage discrimination lawsuits against their employers by eliminating the statute of limitations. So you used to work at some company 30 years ago, and now that you think about it, the guy next to you probably got paid more than you, and it wasn't fair, and so you want to sue your company now. Every law that creates a cause of action, virtually every one, and also criminal laws, have a statute of limitations. They say, if you're going to file a lawsuit, you have a certain amount of time to do it. If you're going to prosecute someone, you have a certain amount of time to do it. And the reason is because it becomes unfair to the accused if you don't have a statute of limitations because you'll get to trial. Let's say you sued your employer for something happened 30 years ago. In that 30-year time period, the witnesses to the incident or the the claims have moved away, quit the job, passed on. You don't know. The evidence has been gone. The employer's records may not be available. The point of the statute of limitations is to permit the accused to have a reasonable basis to defend himself or herself. Lily Ledbetter law would have removed the statute of limitations. And again, as Kimberly Strassel wisely points out from the Wall Street Journal, this is simply a trial lawyer's full employment act. This is to give more lawyers, because what are you going to do when you're an employer? You're accused of wage discrimination. The witnesses are all gone. The records don't exist anymore. You're going to settle. You're going to settle because you can't defend the case because you don't have the information. And the trialers get a third of whatever it is you settle. So this was a this was not about protecting women. This was about protecting the left wing plaintiffs lawyers bar. And this is why the very brilliant Marsha Blackburn voted against it. Number two, discrimination against gay couples, also a false accusation by Taylor Swift, an ignorant accusation by Taylor Swift. This relates to the kind of things we talked about in this show before. For example, the Masterpiece Cake Shop in Colorado. This law that was being considered that Marsha Blackman voted against was the kind of thing that would not permit 
the masterpiece that the individual to defend himself in a case such as the the baker, the photographer, the you know the the person who is being asked to create something to honor a same sex wedding, if those people feel that same sex marriage is inconsistent with their religious values, the best analogy I ever made was if I and I do give a lot of speeches. If I were asked to give a speech defending atheism, I could not do that. I even and I if I got sued because I was discriminating against the atheists, I still couldn't do it or had to give a speech defending Hillary Clinton as an as an honorable statesman. I could not do that because I don't believe that the purpose of protecting the bakers, the photographers, the service providers in America who don't wish to provide a service for a same sex wedding is to protect their religious freedom of those businesses, of the baker and the photographer, etc. Religious freedom still has to be protected. This is the reason that this law that Marsha Blackburn did not support is the reason why many conservatives, many people who want to protect religious freedom, would not support that law. This was exactly, this is what was really happening, but it's very easy for the ignorant leftists, such as Taylor Swift, to say this was a law designed to permit discrimination against gay couples. No, it's a law designed to protect religious freedom. Third example, there was a, a federal law, the Violence Against Women Act. And, you know, it's basically protecting women against violent uh, domestic partners. And so, it, you know, it's a good law. It's a great thing to have it there. I mean, it should be a state law, really, anyway. This is the state should be prosecuting this. But the Violence Against Women Act um, was a good law, but is a good law. But Marsha Blackburn voted against reauthorizing it in 2013. But the reason is not because she doesn't care about violence against women. She's been an advocate for women. She has been an advocate in her home state of Tennessee to protect women who are the victims of violence. But this law, what they did, as the left often does, is they tagged in, they stuck in a whole bunch of other junk in this law. So instead of being the Violence Against Women Act, it had a whole bunch of new things, special clauses for LGBT, Native Americans, illegal immigrants, on and on and on and on. It was an expansion, a distortion of the original law, and that is why Marsha Blackburn voted no. So Taylor Swift is astonishingly, apparently impacting voter registration in Tennessee. So it's your job, our job as serious conservatives to spread the message, spread the truth that what Taylor Swift said, she was wrong on count one, count two, count three. She didn't know what she was talking about. But it's in, it's really incumbent on people to understand that because she has a big audience. I'm sorry to report. I'm Debbie George S. Happy to hear that Facebook Live Sound is working. We're going off to a break right this uh, at this moment. Be back after the break in four minutes. Come back to America. Can we talk? <laughs> 